I mean, after here's kind of what happened too. Um, I got the opportunity to interview a bunch of doctors that were working and I got to see their lifestyle and they were tied to their job. And I would even interview them and ask them, like, would you do this again? They're like, nope. Welcome to the Investor Shed Podcast with Nick Beveridge, the ultimate source for all things investing and beyond. For free tools, tips, and tricks, go to NorthIdahoREI.com. Hey, Dan, thanks for being on the show. Um, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, so uh, my name is Dan Grishku. I'm local to the Inland Northwest. I live in Spokane. I'm 23 years old at this time, and um, I'm a, primarily wholesale real estate properties, anything uh, from a single-family home to an apartment complex here in, in the Spokane area, and I'm also a multifamily apartment builder or developer here in the area, and that's something I'm transitioning into doing more long-term. So a lot of stuff. How, how long have you been in the business? I've been in the business uh, three years. It'll be my three-year anniversary coming up in March, which this might be dated whenever you listen to it, but in three months it'll be, or four months it'll be, um, I'm pretty bad with dates, <laughs> but pretty soon it'll be three years. <laughs> yeah. Well, at this recording, it's uh, right now it's mid-November 2019. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so three years, you're doing all that stuff. Did you know that that is not common and you're probably on the higher end of the spectrum of getting things done? I mean, for me, that doesn't really matter because I'm competing against myself. So I know what I want out of my life and, and what I want out of real estate to, to achieve for me. So really, the only person I have to compete with myself and I have a lot of room for growth. So it's it, it's exciting to look at that and it's it's a good challenge and I love the lifestyle. I'm very, very thankful and, and fortunate to be around the people I am and um, and how I even got into this was pretty incredible because I could never plan on being this and it was never, I didn't wake up thinking like, oh, I'm going to be working in real estate investing or building <laughs> <Yeah>. apartments. <laughs> I went to college not knowing this even. So I dropped out of college to do this and I didn't have an exact roadmap, but I had an I had the basic, you know, um, idea of what I wanted and I went and pursued it and, and pursuing it to this day. So Okay, well, take us back then, um, if you don't mind. So what, what first motivated you to even be interested in real estate? And maybe even before that, what what got you, like the fire started? And what did you tell yourself um, to make the decision that you know you're going to be wealthy someday? Yeah, um, so I remember this goes back to probably when I was like, uh, from like probably 13 to 17. I worked for a gentleman, and he's already passed away. Um, but he, he was an older guy. He had 70 rental houses and, um, I bought the way I bumped into him. He, my parents actually rented a house that he owned and, uh, he came over to our house one day just to, to talk with us. And he saw that I was young and he could probably get some cheap labor out of me. <laughs> so <laughs> he hired me to, um, just to do basic things around his properties, like paint them, clean them, get them ready for, uh, for, for rent, post the for rent ads, you know, pre-screen some of the leads, hand them over to him. Um, so really from what I got from that was, I mean, I worked for him and I saw his lifestyle and he was a really, a really cool guy. And, um, I mean, most of the time he just hung out at home. He was a little bit older, but for me, that seemed like a very cool opportunity to do whatever you want with your time. So that kind of, you know, sparked the, I guess the interest and my plan at the time, I had, had no idea that I could start my own business or I didn't have any, I mean, my parents aren't really from any business background. When I was, my plan was to go to college and become a, either a, a doctor or a uh, phys physician's assistant and then later become a doctor and to go to school basically. And I was already in school. I had finished four years of college and um, I had a job at the hospital. So I was on track. I was the poster child. I had great grades, 
you know, I championed the whole idea of uh, go to school, get a good degree so you can have a good job, so you can have a good life later. My plan was to, I mean, I was doing the best that I could with what I had, what resources I had and what, you know, ideas I was exposed to. My idea was just to go to school, get a good degree so that I can buy rentals, you know, while I'm working and kind of grow my portfolio and so that I don't have to work forever. But my that whole process in my mind, it, I think it would take like 30, 40 years. But at least at that point, I could retire. That was the whole idea. But that obviously didn't happen. Okay. What made you want to be a doctor? Uh, so I I really liked the, um, was interested and still am in like medicine and in the whole medical process. And I have my own ideas on how health is important. So it's something that I really enjoyed studying. And I, I studied anatomy. I studied chemistry a whole year of each one. I enjoyed it a lot, but it was... I mean, after, here's kind of what happened too. Um, I got the opportunity to interview a bunch of doctors that were working and I got to see their lifestyle and they were tied to their job. And I would even interview them and ask them like, would you do this again? They're like, nope, I would do, I'd become a PA instead because you have a little bit more freedom, you know, or they're with, you know, a common thing that I heard from some doctors, if they're with their spouse at any hour of the night or day, if they get a call, they need to come in, they need to come in, they need to drop everything. They don't have the freedom to do what they want with their life. And for me, that was a huge thing that, that in the beginning I was like, okay with, because I think figure that it was just normal. This is how, you know, jobs work. But I think a really important thing to mention is what really kind of turned my whole way of thinking like, you know, 180 degrees and, and, and into business from a, from a regular job was I read in college, one of my friends gave me um, a recommendation to read a book, The Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco. And I read that book and that I think gave me the right financial blueprint to which after reading that, I really like understood the whole idea of having freedom to do what you want with your time. And after I read that book, literally the next day I, I dropped out of school, out of college, I quit my job at the hospital. <laughs> the next day. So did it take you just a day to read it? Uh, no, it took me uh, probably like a week or t- yeah, probably about a week. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, I was reading it on summer break, which was helpful. I mean, I still had a job, but I was reading it on summer break and every hour I could like I'd, I'd read it. And, you know, after that, I just realized that if I, and here's kind of an analogy um, that he illustrates it. Like if I want to, if, if out of my life, if I want to have freedom, if I want to take care of my family, if I want to provide for them and do what I want to do on my own terms and my own time, you know, working a, uh, a nine to five job for what I want is not going to be able to meet that goal. It's like, if it's like, if you're trying to go from Washington to let's say Hawaii and you're using your bicycle, you're not going to be able to get there on a bicycle. You need a jet. <laughs> yeah. So if you're if you're working the wrong you know job, it's not going to get you what you want out of life. So okay. So you read this book, you drop out of college. What next? And I drop out of college, and in this book, he talked about some ideas of what you could do. And there was like tech ideas. Or you can start a, like stores or online businesses. Um, I was, and then he also had a whole section on real estate. Um, I was really interested in that because I got exposed to it when I was younger already working for this landlord yeah. and I didn't learn. I mean, he didn't instruct me. I was just, I was just a worker bee. So, you know, I didn't have any insights on the actual business, what the numbers were, but I got to see some of the results of it. So that was already kind of, I had a little bit of a, a little taste of it. Um, so then I just went on to binge reading real estate books and uh, real estate forums, started to listening to, to real estate podcasts for like three months or so. And I did the uh, did a bigger pockets training. Uh, it's a, it just talks about all the different ideas or different strategies and niches in real estate. And I just, um, I realized that, you know, if I wanted to buy a rental property at the time, I was uh, 20 years old. So I couldn't get a loan anywhere because I quit my job. <laughs> And I didn't have two years of experience. Um, so, you know, starting with the rental house wasn't the best, wasn't really a, a, 
the easiest, I guess, or most viable option at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Although I could have probably found an owner finance house or anything like that. So out of all the strategies, wholesaling was the most, um, I guess the barrier to entry was, I mean, it's, it's very easy in theory, but it's not necessarily easy to do. I just saw that you dropped off the uh, radar, but you were, you were just saying the barrier to entry and you're referring to wholesaling. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't necessarily, I mean, with a lot of grit and a lot of, you know, work, you can, you can put together a deal and make a decent amount of money pretty quickly and you don't need a bunch of money or you don't need credit. You don't need criteria for it. You just got to bring people good deals, bring investors, good deals that they can make money on and that you can get paid for them. So that's what I decided to do. I committed. And one thing also at the time I read the, the book, the one thing by Gary Keller, he said, choose one thing, get really good at it. So I, I definitely implemented that and I didn't, you know, jump around from idea to idea. I'm actually reading that book right now. Good stuff. So, you know, I chose wholesaling and I had an option of becoming a realtor. I had an option of a lot of things, but I just chose one thing, stuck to it. I learned a whole lot in the process. But I, I, I remember when I read uh, MJ's book, I knew that he had a section on real estate that I knew that owning multifamily apartments was or multifamily in general cash producing, income producing, multifamily was something I absolutely wanted to do. Um, And I was more so interested in newer construction um, because it's easier to maintain. You can build your own style. You can cater to your own kind of tenant base and you have more control. And it was something that I was really passionate about because I like the whole developing process. So I, I, even back then I knew that this is what I kind of wanted to to do. I guess at that point, point, I was just forming kind of my plan for the future and it's just been a matter of executing and, and moving forward you know step by step so yeah awesome okay so after after you started like devouring books what was the next action step that you took um so yeah i talked i remember i talked with aaron miley and uh, he told me to go door knocking so I remember at the time like i was very 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 hungry so i was willing to do anything and everything that had to get done and so where'd you meet aaron miley I met him at a RIA, um, your RIA oh, okay. in, in Coeur d'Alene, I believe. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So that's where it all started. <laughs> at least the <laughs> No, you it started credit, before Nick. that. <laughs> no, I don't need the credit. No, it, you, no you, you did it on your own, though. You, you just you showed up to a networking event, you met people, and you, and you put things into action. Yeah, and then I also met a bunch of other investors, and I, you know, um, offered to help them with anything they needed, even though I didn't, you know, make any money on it, and it wasn't the most. Looking back, it, was the, it wasn't the most. Um, it, it was kind of a waste of time and, and some things that I did, but I was just very hungry, and I was willing to do anything for any investor. So for one investor, I plowed a snow for free at his rental property that was huge driveway up a hill. I did all yeah. by hand. Well, you know, like, when when things go well right away, you don't learn anything. Um, so it's probably good that you, I mean, you did struggle your first uh, couple of deals, right? Yeah, absolutely. I had my investor um, go back to the seller and write his own contract, trying to cut me out of it and not pay me for it. That was the first one, right? First one. Yep. First one out of the gates. <laughs> what luck. <laughs> yeah. But looking back, like, Looking back, I think moments like that, they're not hard to get over, but I think they're very important to to get over because um, they kind of form your base that, you know, if anything goes wrong, you're willing to confront people, you're willing to fight for what's yours, for what's right, and it just builds this resiliency in you. Yeah, that's that's the most important aspect, I believe, especially in your business. Yeah, it seems like a small thing, you know, like one deal, and but it's I think it's psychologically it's very important to, you know, act properly, not give up, keep going at it and 
you know, get it resolved and, and go on to your next deal. The one thing about wholesaling is it's very transactional. You know, you do a bunch of marketing, you find a deal, you get under a contract, you sell sell the contract or sell the paper, and um, you're kind of done. So you're always chasing your 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 next deal. So that's kind of you know one reason I, I love doing it. I think it's a great business, but it's longevity is not you know something that I would want to do forever. So that's why I'm getting into multifamily development and so that you can build some some wealth. So as you get into that, do, do your wholesaling business, does it still remain and is it still active or do you shut that down? Uh, it's still active and still remains. What I'm doing now is um, I'm working on replacing myself with um, hiring the right people on board. So I have an acquisition specialist that goes out on appointments and I'm, I'm hiring someone else to help um, organize all of our marketing. Because um, with me, like, it's, uh, you know, with when you're doing one thing on your, on your own, or I guess you're running your own business on your own, you got to do every little task. And especially when you grow, it's a whole process that um, it's not easy for everybody to do because you got to bring on the right people and you got to trust them with it. And then you also got to produce more revenue to make sure that they're paid and kind of get over that hump. Um, and also it's, in, in, you know, it's also important to have good managerial skills and to provide the right training, to have systems put in place. So I actually hired a bunch of people to my business, but it wasn't, you know, and we were making a lot of revenue, but we were also spending a lot on everything. So it wasn't fine-tuned. And right now I kind of stepped back a little bit and getting everything organized, putting systems in place, writing an operations manual for everybody to follow so that there's no questions on anything. They know exactly what to do. We have standards, we have policies, and then we'll you know, grow it even more. But I think it's important to have the right framework for people when you bring them on board. But at the same at the same time, like you can't grow without bringing people on board and you don't know what you need to do until you do it. So kind of just like what we talked about before, you know, um, commit, <laughs> bring people on board. You'll learn what to do. You'll learn who to let go, who to keep. And it's just it's a process. Right. OK, so um, I'm sure people out there listening to this are really curious if you don't mind sharing. And so it's three years now. But if do you have a rough idea about how many deals you've done so far? Um, I have done. I have to tally them up. I know it did about. Or maybe at least this year so far. Yeah, this year so far, we've done about 30, 33 or 34. Okay, so you're doing a lot, especially for a wholesaler. I mean, that's uh, what, and what's your what's your average wholesale fee? Uh, so, so far this year, I think we're grossing around three, over 300,000. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I meant, what was your average average fee per deal? So we've kind of been pretty close to about 10, 10 to 15 in that range. So 10 to 15, okay. Yeah, I've had, you know, bigger ones where they're, you know, 30 or 40, but it kind of balance out at that number. Gotcha. Um, so what's your experience been um, growing a team? Did you see your profits um, go way down or did you see more revenue over time? Like, is that something that you recommend people doing? I absolutely recommend people to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I had a combination of things that kind of uh, slowed me down. I mean, number one, I think it's important to own in your business it, you know, it's important to own all of the all of the success and also all of the failures and all of the learning points. You know, I definitely had some obviously great successes and and kind of points of you know of learning or, or failure points. But I, I definitely would recommend people. I would I would hire it either way. For me, I okay. had a lot of things going on. I had a couple of flips going on at the same time and um, had a business running. And one flip specifically, I had my comps were off by significantly off um, five hundred. So I had like five realtors, you know, tell me that I can sell this property for five hundred thousand. I ended up selling it for like three eighty or three eighty seven, something low. So that 
That's I took shitty. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> I took a good little haircut, and um, I mean, I had a nice little nice bank account at the time, but it kind of um, took that away. So, I mean, I, the good thing is, is I didn't get in debt, I didn't get foreclosed on or anything like that. But um, I learned a lot through that process, and um, I, I kind of decided that before I, you know, before I scale even more, I really need to put in place the systems for my people to follow because if um, if I'm not there, then, you know, things don't get done. So it's the, it's the easiest test to see if your business is running, you know, without you is go somewhere for a month, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, so are you at that point where you can just go on a vacation and your business runs? Uh, so I actually, I did that in September and it ran not bad, um, but it definitely exposed every point of where I needed to grow. Um, so I, I re- I'm really gl- glad I went on the trip because um, um, it showed everything that I need to do. So it showed me that I need to get like a marketing manager to help manage all of our marketing or and make sure that it goes out on time. Okay. And, and better systems for all my people to follow. So yeah, well, it's, it's great to be constantly improving. So if you could think back over the last three years that you've been doing this, what would you say has been like your biggest struggle, either like a particular project or just um, hiring people or firing people or like, what do you think is, gives you the most gray hair that makes you just want to quit? I think, I mean, in this business, after three years of doing it, I guess for me, the hardest thing was, is, I mean, like any business, you know, you have, you have times where you do really good. And then you have times like when, you, when I had that flip that went terribly wrong and a bunch of irons in the fire and a bunch of payments to make and people to pay. Uh, I think that was probably the hardest time. Okay. So you're not flipping houses anymore anytime uh, soon? No, not anytime soon. And actually, I, I, I don't really want to flip at all. So <laughs> unless it's like paint and carpet, you could do it in one week. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And not that, not that I can't do it. It's just, it's just the problem is that you can do it and you're not doing in my opinion, you're not doing one thing really well. So in the same time, you could have done, you know, four other or five other wholesale deals and focused all your energy on that. Yeah, you got to be careful on your flipping houses. And I've really learned this too the last year. I, I'm flipping right now consecutively. I've got two projects going on. One that we bought about one month ago. We started renovation. We finished in two weeks. We just put it on the offer last week. We got um, a decent cash offer, closed in 10 days. And this property really just needed like carpet paint and some landscape improvement. We're only going to make about 21000 on that deal. Um, mm-hmm. The other property I have going on, I bought over the summertime. So about four months ago, um, four or five months. Um, and I've put an ungodly amount of hours into that. And we're not even at the drywall phase yet. Our projected profit was going to be around like 35000 ish And we've gotten so far over budget. We we'll be lucky to break even. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to see, you know, this other project probably took, if I'm being real, four hours of my time. And the other one probably is taking, I don't know. Five months uh, of your time. A hundred, like uh, of my actual attention, driving to the property yeah. and trying to figure stuff out, probably a hundred hours and I might lose money on it. So yeah. if you're out there and you're going to flip a house, stick to the carpet and paint ones if you're new at this, unless you just love being a contractor, then go ahead and take the gut jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I agree with that. So, And people do still make a lot of money with it, but it's just its own specialized business that you need to get good at and exactly you got to be a contractor. So Yeah. And it's more like a job. You're just buying a job to do. It's not investing is more passive and less risky. Exactly. And that's why I'm I'm focusing all my efforts on to doing multifamily developments and, and builds because you can build some incredible wealth, long term wealth 
that produces income year over year, year after year. And it's dependable, it's reliable. And, and the thing is like, you got to do the hard work once, set it up and you own an asset that produces cash for everybody has partnered, you know, with me. And that way you don't have to run around, you know, chasing your tail, looking yeah. for your next flip to flip to flip to flip the next one, you know? So right. I think like flipping or even wholesaling, it has its own, I mean, you can make a lot of money in both of them and you could do it your whole life, but the longevity of it, I mean, I guess it matters what people, it's, it's important to realize what people want out of this. If they want a, a high paying job, then, you know, you can flip. Um, but there's always, you know, there's always rules to the, to the exception because, you know, some people actually figure out how to systematize and how to build a big business at it. So it's not to say that you can't do it. It's just not something that I'm interested in doing. Right. Okay. So Dan, you run a uh, real estate investment meetup or mm-hmm. RIA, whatever you want to call it. Um, in and in Spokane, uh, you do it once a month. Could you tell us if you recommend doing that for maybe investors out out of state somewhere in a local market that they don't have a meetup. And since you've been doing that, has it benefited you in any way? Yeah, I would recommend somebody to do it and it has benefited me. I think it's important if you want to do it, to do it with some, you have to have a reason to do it. You know, if obviously if you're like a, a realtor or a broker, you know, you can, it's a great way to generate leads for your real estate business. Like in my case, you know, it's mostly networking and I'm able to meet with investors that come in with private money lenders, partner with them on deals, uh, connect them, and also get buyers from a wholesale list. All, and new buyers are very important to always add to your list because in the flip world, people come and go all the time, and you always need to be updating your buyers um, with people that are actually doing it now. How much effort do you put into that meetup once a month? Uh, so I would say about to get ready. I mean, the day of and the day before. Well, it's, I think it's really good to have a good network to where you can have people come and speak. But I would say about two days per per week. So not like a whole lot. I mean, that full day, um, the day of, you know, working out logistics and the day bef- one day before or not even one day, but one day be- um, before the actual event. So any time in the month, you need to send out an email, get everybody on board. Yeah. So it's not a whole lot if you look at it that way. But if you look at it in another way, you know. Even two days a two days a month. That's two times twelve. That's twenty four days, which is, you know, twenty four out of three sixty five. I mean, it still. I mean, it makes a difference. So I guess when you do it, make sure that you have some purpose for doing it and something that you can, um, I guess, monetize in a way. Gotcha. Okay. Anything else that would you recommend doing wholesaling to your new investor? Is it, do you think it's something really worth, because I, and the reason I'm asking this is because one of the last REI meetups that I went to at your event, I noticed when we went through the whole room of, I don't know how many people were there, 30, 40 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like half the people there raised their hand and said, I'm a wholesaler <laughs> and I've, yeah. and I've never heard of them. I felt like a lot of them were newer. Do you, do you know if wholesaling is an easy thing to break into or, or could this be is it much harder than people think or is it or is it really not that complicated yeah i mean your question i think it was like three or four questions into one but yeah I'll sorry i do that i do that yeah <laughs> the first one um i feel like wholesaling is a great obviously opportunity for people to get started it's i don't think it's the right fit for everybody and um it's important to realize every everybody's life and everybody's situation is different and everybody's needs are different um so it's important to realize what you want out of it and you know what? Um, what's your what's your end game? What's the plan for all of this? Why do all this work? You know what do you want out of this? If you just want to run around and chase deal after deal after deal, 
and, you know, um, kind of have own your own job and wholesaling is great, but you know, it's important to know what you want. I mean, I've, I've met people that have came to my area that have 500,000 saved up that they can put into real estate and they can do for them. I don't think wholesaling is, you know, I mean, from what they want out of life, especially if they're not, you know, 23, but maybe they're 47 or 53 or, you know, getting closer to finishing with their job and they want some passive income. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like if you look at it, we all want to build the wealth. We all, all want to own assets that produce income for us. So, you know, in, in that person's position where they have 500000 I think it would be probably better for them to partner with me on a development and make way more money and have way more revenue come in or even buy their own, you know, rental properties or put a down payment on an apartment complex that'll produce 100000 per year or 150000 per year. They'd be in a lot better shape then trying to wholesale. So it's, I don't think it's for everybody. For the right person, though, I think it's it's great. I mean, if you don't have any, if you don't have any cash um, saved up, because we all know to do deals, you have to have cash. There's no such thing as, you know, zero, zero cash deals that you can do. I mean, at the end of the day, some cash, either someone's, some, either your cash or someone else's cash has to get paid for it. So if you don't have any cash, then I think it's a good method to get started. Um, it is very, it is getting very saturated with a lot of people because everybody and their mom, you know, sees all the courses online that give people, teach people how to do it. So I think that in itself is its own business of gurus teaching people how to do things. They make more, usually more money off of doing, selling the courses than actually doing it. Yeah. So yeah, I've definitely seen that. Yeah. And a lot of people say, I mean, the, I, the, the whole concept of it is, you know, very simple, um, but it's not necessarily easy to execute. So yeah. Um, do you have any tips for the actual wholesalers out there that maybe you learned a couple years in that made your job so much easier that you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the probably most important thing in this business, uh, it, it breaks down into three um, categories or three points of process. I mean, it's all a big funnel, um, but you have to market, you know, to get leads. You have to um, qualify, disqualify, you know, pre-qualify leads. So you basically got to sell people the idea of them selling you their house. And then, so you got to close them and then you got to sell that contract. So it's just a process. So getting good at marketing, getting good at um, closing, getting good at selling and just repeating that cycle over and over again. If somebody can learn how to sell, if they have like a sales background or if they can take a, if they can, you know, read books about selling, that'll be very, very helpful for them. Sales, closing and being, I think, friendly with people, being genuine and, in this business, especially when you get better at it, you're going to have a, a bunch of leads and it's very important to disqualify as much as pre-qualify your leads because you'll have a lot of people that will never do business with you and you got to cut the line. Right. Okay. Some good advice. Yeah. I think a lot of people have a misconception about wholesaling or like they maybe even, even wholesalers doing it feel bad about doing it because they think like they're stealing someone's house. But at, at the same time, you got to realize that what we provide is speed and convenience for folks that are need to sell their property for speed and convenience. They either have some life circumstance going on or they don't want to deal with it. And yeah. price is not the most important motivator. So You know what? I've got to totally agree with you on that one because I used to disagree with people on that. And it wasn't mm-hmm. that long ago I disagreed. It was probably just, I don't know, three, four years ago. I used to think wholesalers are somewhat just taking advantage of people. But then as I started buying wholesale deals from wholesalers and had to actually you know, be involved with these sellers directly quite a bit. I'm like, oh no, there's no way that they're going to be able to do this on their own, you know, with an agent and put it on the market. They kind of, they do Mm -hmm. need 
the wholesalers to help them out. Um, yeah. And yeah, price is not their main motivation. Their main motivation is convenience. Yep. And I explained to even my, I mean, a lot of times like, newer wholesalers, they're scared to ask tough questions and they're not even tough. They're just being real with people. Like, you know, why don't you just go ahead, you know, list your property. You can probably get X amount for it. Why don't you just go list it, you know, kind of back away, be a reluctant mm-hmm. buyer and, you know, don't chase don't chase people there's an analogy i heard like if you're chasing a dog uh, it's gonna run away from you but if if you um run from a dog it'll come after you so (laughs) that's a good analogy (laughs) yeah it's it might sound kind of crude but it's not it's not referring to sellers it's just it's just like a life thing so with people so uh i mean you know you can have that same attitude but you also got to stay in front of people and you know, if, if they said that they're interested, then you got to stay with them. And the way I see this business, I mean, it's, I think it's beautiful. It's just taking people where they want to go. So I'm, I help people make their decision at the end and I just help them speed it up. So the whole process of, of, of basically the sales process, um, I let them know that they can say no to me at any time. I explain to them what we do. We provide speed and convenience. We're not, we can give you a fair offer, but it's not the highest price. And if there's any objections, I need, my job is to figure help them figure out what's holding them back and what's going to answer that question for them and how long it's going to take and then stay with them and help them make the right decision so i don't know if i kind of explain that right but it's always setting the next you know you can spend eternity with following up with people and following up and following up but you got to set what's going to happen by this date mr seller you know what do you need to do for us to do business uh, what needs to happen you have so many good things going for you right now. I mean, your attitude, you're, you're setting expectations with the sellers. You have great uh, business ethics. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer why, you're, why you are doing so well. So I, I certainly appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think, you know, that's um, very important to have in, in, in your business. And, you know, all the people that I do business with, I, at the end of the day, you know, I feel great about it. They feel great about it. They know what's going on. It's trans- We're transparent. And they know that on my deals that I do wholesale them. I do bring by a buyer. So it's not like it's not a surprise. Yeah. 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 And some sellers, for whatever reason, try to keep that a secret and doesn't always turn out well. Yeah. It's just um, a mental barrier. It's not a real barrier. It's a mental barrier that people have that they think that if I tell the seller the truth, they're not going to do business with me. But in reality, that's why they tell them the truth. Yeah. In reality, In reality, um, the more transparent and honest you are, the more people will trust you because you're being real with them. And if they're gonna have a if they're gonna have a problem with you wholesaling it, then I'd rather not do a deal with them because they're not gonna be a customer that I want to work with. They're not we're just not a good fit. It's gonna cause extra headaches and work that I just don't want to do. So it has to be a win win for everybody for us to do business. Yeah. And All you're right. never well, gonna thank you, Dan. Hey, one quick question before we go. Absolutely. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You can finish what you're saying. Yeah, I was saying like you're never going to be able to convince somebody to sell their house at a discount. Like that's ridiculous. So you're going to – the people that you're going to do business with as a wholesaler actually, you know, need your services for speed and convenience. And it's, you know, important not to get hung up on that. Yeah, yeah, because nine times out of ten, they they are very aware of what their property is worth and what they're selling it for, right? Absolutely. I mean nowadays people can hop on on their computer. They can go to Redfin, to Zillow, to Trulia. They'll at least have a ballpark of what it's worth. Yeah. So it's no secret. Okay. Well, just before we go, I just want to um, ask you real quick, what are you reading anything right now that's interesting? Any new books that you want to share? Uh, I'm reading right now actually a really good book. It's called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. 
Okay. And um, the whole book talks about how it's important to be happy where you're at, at whatever given stage or point in your life and your business. A lot of people have this idea that, you know, when I, when I build my business, when I build my 32 unit apartment complex, when I have, you know, two, my net worth is 2 million, when my net worth is 40 million, I'll be happy. But until now, I just got to be, you know, in the trenches and working and, and not be positive. But I, I think the opposite is, is true that we need to be happy and positive in all the times. And that's kind of what the whole theme of the book is. Um, because that attitude gets carried over to everything you do, to all the interactions you have with all the, your customers, your clients, your people, and, um, it makes you better at what you do. So, yeah, I wish I could put that into play sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dan. I appreciate your time and, um, we will, uh, I'll see you at the next Rio. Awesome. Awesome, Nick. We'll talk soon. Okay.